We've been talking about vitamin F this morning. Amen. Learning how to walk by faith. So we discovered what faith is and that Jesus is looking for great faith. And we saw that great faith is a strong faith. It's a tenacious faith. It's a faith that knows it's right, that knows it's inheritance, that knows what belongs to, to us and refuse to abandon and quit and settle for less. And say, that's mine. I'm not quitting. I'm not going anywhere until I get it because it's mine. And that's what Jesus was talking about. He's looking for it. He's looking for a people who is going to learn to walk by faith and walk by great faith, being tenacious, not, you know, taking no for an answer and not quitting at the first sign of obstacle or problem or delay. Amen. Hallelujah. Because you know, that's what Jesus was saying. As far as God is concerned, he's giving speedily. You know, before you even ask, it's already been released. It's already given by grace. That's our premise. We know that by grace, all things have been given to us. We have an inheritance. But our faith, are, are we willing to have that kind of faith that knows its rights and refuse to give up, refuse to settle for less. That's what G Jesus is talking about, like that widow, amen, with the unjust judge. Hallelujah. So how do you get to that place? How do you get to that tenacious, strong faith? Amen. So we're going to talk about that in this hour. Um, go back to Luke chapter 17. In Luke 17, hallelujah. <clears throat> you remember in verse 5 where the disciples were asking Jesus, you know, Jesus, give us more faith or increase our faith. Because here again, they had the notion that they needed large, big amounts of faith in order you know, to forgive the offense, you know, or, or to do whatever. And, 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 and it's interesting, we've got to look, when they ask Jesus to increase their faith, we look at Jesus' answer, and it's interesting. It looks like he's answering beside the question, like he's going, changing subject. But let's look at when the disciples said, please increase our faith. Jesus answered in verse uh, Luke 17, verse 6, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and you remember what is a mustard seed kind of faith, it's a faith that even though it's small, it's like a mustard seed. No matter what obstacle, no matter how long, I mean, it extends the pressures, the delays, like a mustard seed. It's the only seed that will, no matter... You know, the weather, no matter what the, the problems, it will still produce something. And so Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots, be planted in the sea, and it will obey, it would obey you. And then in verse 7, and that's where I want to go to, he says, but which of you, having a servant, plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once, sit down and eat. 
In another word, Jesus is saying, how many of you, you have an employee that you pay, and you, you know, you tell him, oh, come here and sit down and rest. Don't do anything or don't, just sit down here. I mean, my husband has a, a company, and I guarantee you when he sees his employee just shooting the breeze and doing nothing, he, he's quick to tell them, I'm not paying you to stay sitting down. You know what I mean? I hear him say, I don't pay you to go, go and work. And that's what the point Jesus is making. If you have an employee or a servant, the very purpose of that servant is for him to produce, to work, to do something. So the, the answer right here is no. If you have a servant that comes from, back from the field, you're not going to tell him to sit down to rest and, and eat. What are you going to tell him to do? Get up and work. Serve me. Do something. Amen. So it's interesting here. Why is it that to answer the question, the disciples are saying, Jesus, increase our faith. Increase our faith. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to increase your faith. Because if you have faith as a mustard seed, you're going to speak to the tree or the mountain. It will obey. But by the way, how many of you, if you have a servant, you're going to tell him to go sit down, rest, and do nothing? No. Is that interesting? It looks like Jesus is changing subject. Why is he talking about a servant when they're asking and talking about faith? Why? Because just like a, a servant is supposed to work to produce, your faith, its purpose and its reason of being is to work and produce something. Amen. And in other words, uh, um, I'd like to compare it. This is what the Lord has showed me. I'd like to compare. There is a parallel between spiritual growth and, spirit, and, and physical growth. I'd like to compare, if you will, faith to a muscle. How many of you, you have muscles? All of us. Did you know that when you were born a baby, whether you are, you know, big and strong like my husband or whether you are small and skinny, when you were born, you were all born with the exact, given the exact same amount of muscle. We, you know, in your body, you have, I don't know, X number of muscles. X muscles of the arms, of the shoulders, of the... No, you know what I'm talking about. Amen? And so we all were given the exact same amount of muscle. I'm going somewhere. I haven't changed there. I want to show you something. Amen? Because here Jesus compared faith to a servant who is supposed to work. But right now I want to show you I'm going to do like Jesus. I'm, instead of comparing faith to a servant, I'm going to compare faith to a muscle. And here is the truth. We were all born babies and were given the same amount of muscles. Amen. But here is the key. Each of us decide what we're going to do with our muscles. And you can find, for example, Mr. Bodybuilder. I mean, big guy. Mr. Bodybuilder, it got, looks like he's got a huge amount of muscles. He doesn't have more muscles. No, he's got stronger muscles. 
And why does he have stronger muscles? Because Mr. Bodybuilder has spent six, seven, maybe eight, nine hours a day just exercising his muscles. I mean, he went. And what happened? His muscles became stronger and stronger and stronger. Now, what would you think of me if I went to Mr. Bodybuilder and I would say, please, Mr. Bo would you lay hands on me so I can get your muscles? What, would he, what will he do? He'll look at me and he will laugh. You see, lady, he said, I got my muscle by putting them to work. If you want my muscle, go to the gym. But yet, why is it that most Christians, well, no, they'll see, you know, Andrew Womack, and they'll go to Andrew and say, Andrew, lay hands on me so I can have your faith. Uh-uh, no. Andrew got that kind of faith because he put his faith to work. You know what I mean? Hallelujah. And so we were all given the exact same amount of muscles, but it's up to us what we do with the muscles we have. If we spend eight hours a day exercising our muscles, we're going to get strong muscles. But what happens if you never exercise your muscle, like me? Amen. I might be able to lift up maybe 10 pounds, maybe 15 pounds, but that might be just about it. You know what I mean? And what happened? You see... Mr. Here's another truth. Mr. Bodybuilder, let's pretend he's got strong muscles, right? But what happens if maybe he gets in a car accident and all of a sudden he's laying low in a hospital bed for like five months, six months, and he cannot, he's not allowed to walk, to move, to do anything? What happens to his muscles? That's called atrophy. They will shrink. What does it mean? He will lose his strength. Even though he had exercised eight, nine hours a day and got so strong, by lack of exercising it, all of a sudden, you see, he did not remain and retain his strength. He lost it. He became weak again. Amen? So what am I, why am I saying that? Because there is the exact same truth with faith. Strong, we're talking about strong faith. The faith that will keep on going and going and going and going until we see the manifestation. There is a truth also, a parallel truth, you know, uh, about faith. We are all given the measure of faith, Romans 12, 3. We are, God has dealt us not a measure of faith, but the measure of faith. We were all given the same amount or the same amount of faith, the measure of faith. And you know, the problem is sometimes people, when they look like somebody like Andrew Womack, they think in the back of their head, uh, you know, that God has given him a special faith because he's got a special ministry. So he's got a special faith for his special ministry. Mm -mm. He, he was, we were all given not only the same measure of faith, but the same quality of faith. We actually were given the faith of Christ. And we find that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon, you know Simon Peter? 
The same guy who walked on the water and the same guy after Jesus rose from the dead who walked by the gate beautiful with John and just said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. Rise up and walk. That same Peter that walked in the streets of Jerusalem and his shadow would heal people. That's the Peter. And listen to what Peter says. He says that, I'm Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, and I'm writing to those who have obtained the like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter is saying, the Peter, amen, that raised the dead, the Peter whose shadows healed the crippled, the Peter who got a, a man who was paralyzed out of the wheel. He said, guys, you have obtained the exact same quality of faith, the same value of faith, the same like precious faith as we have. So we, you see, we have all this, the measure of faith and the same quality of faith. We all have been dealt the same cards as far as faith is concerned. We all have been given the same faith, but here is the key. And that's what Jesus was teaching in Luke 17. Amen. This is exactly what Jesus was teaching. What you do with that faith will determine whether you have weak faith or strong faith. Remember, little or great, weak or strong. You see, how do you get great faith? The same way you get great strong muscles, by exercising it. Amen. So, and that's the reason why. You remember, and I love that. Here are two verses. In James chapter 1, verse 2, 3, 4, when James says, Counted it great joy. Counted it great joy when you encounter all kind of trials. Why? Not because God did not send those trials. The devil did. But why do we count it great joy? Because every trial, every need, every obstacle is an opportunity to exercise our faith. You see, without those trials, those problems, those needs, we would not be able to exercise our faith. You see, but here is the problem, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill a little sacred cow here. You know, sometimes people ask me, why is it that you go to India, to Asia, to Africa, and people, I mean, miracles, people get healed. Why in, in America or in Europe, it's so hard? You know why? It's called government. The government, a socialist government, is a government that wants to meet all your needs. And a government that meets all your needs is a government that wants to turn you into some godless, independent Christian. That means that you no longer need God for your needs. You no longer need God for your health. You no longer need God for anything. And what does it do? It cripples you into a weak Christian that no longer needs to exercise its faith. I mean, that's the truth. When I go to India or Africa, they don't have the government to do anything for them. It's you sink or swim. If you don't go to God for your healing, this is it. If you don't go to God for your needs, put food on the table, this is it. If you don't go, do you understand what I'm saying? 
And, 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 and I'm not trying to be heartless or I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I come from a government where I left France, where I was a socialist government. They were doing everything for you. And that's why Europe is became a godless, hard, atheist nation. Because that is the plan and the strategy of the devil to make people independent from God. Who they no longer need to exercise their faith for anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that is, this is unfortunately, and I'm going to say it, what the devil is trying to do in this nation. To make, to turn us into an independent, don't need God anymore, because after all, God, the government's going to do everything for me. And that's the problem. That's why it's becoming harder and harder for people to exercise their faith for whatever it is that they need. You know what I'm saying? Is that okay? It is, it is not a strategy of men. It's a strategy of the devil. It's a plan of the end. The spirit of Antichrist, I work in the world to make people, to cripple people's faith so that people no longer need to use their faith. Because you will only get strong faith when you exercise it. And you exercise your faith when you have a need, when you have an obstacle, when you have a challenge, when you have whatever it is you have. And that's why James is telling us, instead of crying and saying, oh, why me, God, counted it all joy. You know why? Because you know that through, by grace, the solution has been given to you. Through faith, you can exercise it. And man, then you can glorify God and see the fruit of your faith, the manifestation of that which you need. And what will happen when you exercise your faith? Your faith will become stronger. And the more, the stronger it gets, the str just like a bodybuilder. I mean, what if I went to the gym and I started to work out? I mean, I would start lifting up 20 pounds. Then I would push myself maybe to 30. Then I would go maybe to 40. I mean, you see some of those women like, I don't know how much they weigh, but it's like they're all buff. And my husband said, thank you, honey, don't go. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know the picture, you understand what I'm saying. Amen. And, and, and that, and that's, so everything that we have, remember when I was in Bible college 30 some years ago, you know, and, and I was starting to learn truth about faith and the word. And, you know, things, I had to live by faith because I was a, a French foreign student and legally I was not allowed to work. So, I mean, I had to do it all by faith. And every little thing was an opportunity, you know. And the danger today is we hear so much word, but we never put it to, to work. You know, you hear a lot of word, but you never put it to work. And that's, that's a danger. It makes your faith. You think you have faith, but it's like a couch potato. Amen. And so I remember when I was very young, I remember I was hearing about faith and I knew, man, I, it's an opportunity. So I, I would, every little thing I remember one time, it was pretty cool. I, I had flown from France with really only two suitcases. That's all I had. God told me to leave, came to the States, didn't know anybody, two bags. And then I ended up in a Bible college by God's design. And, and so I'm here really living by faith. But it's in Oklahoma in December, and there's like one ice, one inch of ice 
on the on the cars and the trees and everything. I mean, it's freezing, and I don't have a coat. I mean, I only have a small little jacket, and that's it. Because I come from the French, French Riviera, like Florida, where it's warm. So I'm here in the middle of the winter with a coat. And I'm like, well, here is an opportunity to exercise my faith. And so you know what I did? Instead of, because that, here is the easy thing. We want to go and tell somebody, oh, I need a coat. Oh, I need. We want to get the easy way out. But you see, once you understand that every obstacle, need, and challenge is an opportunity to strengthen and exercise your faith, then all of a sudden it's not a burden, it's an opportunity. And so I said, okay, it's an opportunity to exercise my faith. So I went to the store and I said, I need a coat, and I might as well have a nice one, you know. So I went to the store and I found that beautiful coat. It was kind of like, you know, long, and it was like a striking color. I mean, I wouldn't wear it today because, but back then it looked good. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like blue like your bed, you know, like your Carrie's Bible College thing. It was that kind of a blue. It was long. It was, you know, it was beautiful and expensive. And so I saw that coat. I said, that's the coat I want, you know. So I said, thank you, Father, that I get that coat. Thank you, Father, that in, you heard me, and I have it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. You're a good father. You know, and I meditated on Matthew chapter 6 that says, if God feeds the birds of the air and clothes the lily of the valley, how much more will he just give you what you need? And I said, thank you, Father. And then I left it at that. Nobody knew about it. I didn't tell a soul. God knew about it. I knew about it. End of the story. And then a few weeks later, a few weeks later, a lady comes to me with, a, you know, one of those grocery brown paper bag, you know, all crumbled up. And she said, um, don't get offended at me, but um, God told me to get you this. And I don't know, but here it is. She gives me that brown paper bag. And, you know, the initial is like, what is it, you know? And I open it, the coat. The, I mean, and I knew, I knew that nobody knew about it. It, it was, it was, what do you think happened to my faith? It got a little stronger. And it was like then I could believe for something else, to do something else. Then I was able to believe for money to go on a mission trip. And then I was able to believe for, you know, and then you go, what do you do? You strengthen your faith where all of a sudden God is taking you from face to face, from glory to glory. Because it's in those moments where you exercise your faith that the Father is glorified. You know, and the day when I found out I had bone cancer, amen, I remember being in my living room, and I knew in my heart I have bone cancer, and the Holy Ghost spoke to me, and he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. At that moment in my living room, I started to rejoice and rejoice, and I did it by faith because of the word of the Lord for me. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. So I started, he, he, ha, ha, ho, ho, hu, hu, you know, and I felt kind of a little foolish and stupid. But then I started to do it. And then I started to sing the joy of the Lord. And at that moment, I just had a revelation. It's at that moment I had that revelation that it is not, oh, me, why do I have cancer? I saw, oh, my goodness, what an opportunity to glorify God. Yeah. At that moment, it was like my eyes were open and I knew it is my moment to shine it is my moment to glorify God. It is my moment to have a testimony. 
I saw it. I saw what James 1 meant. I saw what Peter said when he said, counted it all joy. Rejoice. Because it's an opportunity to exercise our faith. And it's when we exercise our faith that the manifestation comes and God gets glorified. From faith to faith, from glory to glory. Oh, hallelujah. And we want strong faith. And here, let me say it again. Because at one point, you had faith. You might, you see, you might have had strong faith and move mountains, walk on water. But if you don't keep, keep on exercising your faith, what will happen? Somebody said atrophy earlier. You, need, you can have spiritual atrophy also. That means that faith is something that needs to continually move, continually expand. You know, that's what Andrew said. He said to take the limits of God. What does he do? It, it always brings you to a place where you are out of your comfort zone. I have, I have a saying on my website that says, you know, the beginning, your faith begins where you your, your comfort zone ends. No, your faith begins where your comfort zone, yeah, where your comfort zone ends. The moment you feel out of comfort, yeah. that's when you can start exercising your faith. You see? And it's important to continue. That's why we cannot settle and be in a comfort place. We've got to always challenge ourselves. And let me say, I'm not going like this. I've got four pointing to me where I have constantly have to reevaluate where am I at my faith? Am I getting comfortable or am I challenging myself to grow, to expand, to exercise? Because there is such a thing as spiritual atrophy, where one day you can have such strong faith, but if you don't continue to exercise, and faith is specific. You see, you can have faith for healing. doesn't mean that you automatically have faith in the area of finances. You see, it, it's just like you can have strong arms but weak legs. You know what I mean? You can, because if you exercise your leg muscle, you're going to have strong legs. But if you never exercise your arm muscle, you're going to have weak arms. It's the same thing in, in, in the spirit. You can exercise your faith for finances but never exercise it with, with physical healing or you can exercise your faith with relationship or something else. You know what I mean? And so faith is specific. Amen? And so we've got to look at every area and just say, okay, look at an, uh, as an opportunity to exercise, to grow. And you're going to see when you do and you, you, you do it, it gets stronger. And the stronger it gets, then, you know, you'll have another challenge. And, and God will not give, allow anything that you cannot bear. Amen. God will not allow a challenge that, you know what I mean? That you cannot, you know, overcome. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And here are some verses. James says, James 2.22, by, by works, your faith will be perfected. Or you could say, by exercising it, your faith will become strong and perfect, mature. Amen. But here it also say in verse 20, James 2.20, faith without works or without exercising it is dead. Or you would say doesn't produce anything. It's sterile, dead, ineffective, unsuccessful. Amen. You can have faith, but if you don't put it to work, 
it's not going to do. It's going to be sterile. It's not going to do anything. Amen? Hallelujah. And so I like in, in Luke 17, verse 10, you know, Jesus, you remember we looked in 17, Jesus compared faith to a servant. A servant, its purpose is to work, is to produce something. And so the same thing, God is giving us faith for us to put it to work. He's giving us faith for us to produce something with it. But I like what he said at the end. He says, and even likewise you, when you have done all things which you have commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what's our duty to do. You know what that means? That walking by faith is something that God expects of us. It's nothing extraordinary, you know. It's really something that should be normal to the Christian, walking by faith, exercising our faith. I don't believe we're going to get a gold medal when we get to heaven because we exercise faith or walk by faith. That's what Jesus he said. He says, if you have faith, you want strong faith, exercise it. You exercise it and exercise it to get strong faith. But that's your duty. That's what you should be doing because you're a believer. You are children of your father. Amen. I know that's not popular. But I believe that's, that's you know, that's, that's the thing. We are believers and God is expecting us to believe and walk by faith. Amen. So we're not doing anything extraordinary by learning to walk by faith. We need to learn to walk by faith, live by faith, amen. overcome by faith, possess by faith, be martyred by faith. And I believe, I'm going to do a little parenthesis, I believe the time is coming where that the persecution is going to get higher and higher and higher. Where the line, the divining line, we haven't seen anything yet. The dividing line because a glorious church is a pure church. And a pure church is a church that is willing to die even for the name of Jesus. And right now the church is a little mixed. And persecution has its way of purifying the church. That's why the early church was so powerful. That's why the church, and I'm meddling, but that's okay. That's why the church in China is so powerful. That's why the church in the Middle East is so powerful. That's why the Christian, they are so, I mean, signs and wonders and powerful because they do not love their life even unto death. You know what I mean? And with that kind of faith, man, you raise the dead, you, you do anything. It's silent in this Catholic church this morning. Hallelujah. But it's true. I really believe, and I'm saying that. And I have come to the place in my own heart to evaluate and say, Lord, you know, would I be willing if comes to, you know, if come to the place where, and I love what Andrew has done with that declaration of dependence because I believe this is where we're heading, where we'll come to a place where we're going to have to say, okay, you know, are you, are you, how much do you believe you're a Christian? And those who don't really, who it's not convenient and not really highly persuaded, even if it means to go to jail or be martyr, whatever, you know, that's what's going to happen, I believe. And I'm not, I don't mean to be a bearer of bad news, but, you know, the fact is that it's happening all over the world. That's right. And Jesus is coming for a glorious church with that spotted wrinkle. And a glorious church is a pure church. 
And a pure church is a church, according to Revelation 12, that says they overcome by the blood of the, the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they do not love their life even unto death. Amen. And that's the reason. If you look in Hebrew 11, the heroes of faith were people who were martyred for their faith. Mm -hmm. Amen. So I believe we need to take a look into even our heart and say, how much do I believe? Why is my faith strong enough if somebody wants to put me to jail or ask me to tell me to deny? How am I gonna? How am I gonna handle it? Mm -hmm. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's move right along. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I'm just going to do a couple more little things, but then I'd like to pray for you guys. I think, is that okay? Um, talking about exercising our faith, you know, the number one way we can exercise our faith is by exercising authority. Exercising authority. You remember when Jesus taught about faith in Mark 11, in verse 22, 23, and 24. In verse 23, he said, whoever, I started to teach the disciple how to exercise faith. The first thing he says is, whoever speaks to the mountain. So the first way we exercise our faith is with our words, exercising authority. And you see, we exercise authority not just by commanding, you know, by saying, Sickness, leave this body. Yes, we are exercising authority. But every day, through the words we speak, we exercise authority. Yes. Example, if we say, well, you know, it's this time of the year. If there is one bug in the room, I'll probably catch it. You've just exercised authority in the negative sense, but you have. With, your, with our words, ex authority is exercised by the words that we speak, by the action, by what we say and what we do. Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here is an English translation or today's English. Whatever you allow in your, by your words here on earth will have to be allowed in the spirit realm. Whatever you do not allow and permit through your words will not be allowed and permitted in the spirit. So whatever we say, you know, you can be commanding the mountain to move, but the rest of the day you are saying something contrary, you've exercised authority and canceled. You see, that's why, did you notice sometimes Jesus, like with the centurion, you know, um, Jesus didn't even speak to the sickness. What did he do? He just told the man, go your way, your servant is well. He did not command to the sickness. He did not speak to the body. He just spoke healing. He said, go your way, your servant is well. He exercised authority. Or when he told Peter, you know, when Peter said, should I pay taxes? You know, should, should we pay taxes? What did Jesus say? He said, Peter, just go fishing, the first fish that you catch. We'll have a goal, bring it. He exercised authority with his word. You see? So we exercise authority and we exercise faith by the words we speak, by what we declare, by what we command, and what we do not permit with our words. Yes. Amen. We exercise authority. So that's the first way 
the first way to exercise faith. Amen. Words and faith are so linked together. That's why Jesus said, you know, whoever speaks to the mountain and commands it to be moved and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that whatever he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So you see, you exercise faith by what you command and what you say. Because the truth is we are the prophet of our own life. We are the prophet of our own life. And you know, by the words we say, we direct our life. Whatever we say, it's one way we allow things in the spirit, we allow it in the world, and we allow it in the spirit. And so if you say certain things, the devil's got permission to do certain things or not to do certain things. Amen. By the word we speak. And then the second way that Jesus showed us to exercise authority. And by the way, when it comes to exercising authority, I have a two tape, a two CD series here. Uh, what short circuit our authority? Part one and part two. I talk about some of the things because, you know, we know about speaking to things, but sometimes we speak to the mountain and it looks like the mountain is not moving. And we're like, what's wrong? Why did I, you know, why didn't it, it didn't work? Well, there are some things that we're not even aware of that will consciously and unconsciously short-circuit that authority. And so there is a two-part series here that talks about that. Anybody wants to know more about authority? Come here. You were the first one to raise your hand. Run, run, run. Hallelujah. There you go, sweetie. You're welcome. Amen. Oh, and I have so much more to say about authority. Amen. Um, but uh, we'll just go, we're going to move right along. And the second, the second thing that Jesus taught us on how to exercise our faith muscles amen, is by knowing what belongs to us and simply receiving it. You know, in Mark 11, 20, we saw in 23, Jesus says you exercise faith by the word that you speak, by the command, by resisting and commanding the enemy. And then in verse 24, he says, and when you stand praying, you must believe that you receive it and you shall have it. You see, uh, uh, Andrew has got a great teaching on, on I mean, you have it in, in class, receiving. Amen. Receiving is one way you exercise your faith. Because faith is a receiver. Remember, grace is a giver. Faith is a receiver. So you exercise your faith muscle by knowing what belongs to you and by simply receiving it by faith. And, of course, it's simpler said than done because when I pray for people, I always want to find out if the person is truly received. Because you can't say, you see with your faith, well, I believe I'm healed, but not totally have, because this is what Jesus said, you will have it or you will have the manifestation when first you believe you received it. And so if you don't have the manifestation, you've got to go back, backtrack, back and find out if I don't have it, it means that somewhere I have not truly received it. And, you know, I observe, I listen, and I watch. And I can tell when somebody's truly received. 
You know, I mean, look at a little child. Jesus said in Luke 17, we've got to learn to receive like little children. Because look at little children. They are so simple. I mean, they don't know the A, D, B, whatever, 10 step and 5, 4. They just simply, they just, just know how to receive. A little child, if he goes to daddy and says, I want a bicycle. I mean, that little child says, daddy, I want a bicycle. You know, and daddy says, well, you know, in two weeks when I get paid, you know, you'll, you'll have the bicycle. We'll, we'll go together and we'll pick that little bicycle. Well, you know, that little child, he doesn't see the bicycle. He cannot touch it yet. But daddy says, right. in two weeks, you'll have it. That little kid believes. And because he believes, he received. And did you notice how the little kid act? Look at him. Listen to him. When daddy says you'll have a bicycle, that little kid goes around and says, daddy, 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 thank you, thank you. I mean, he gets excited. I mean, he doesn't have any physical proof. He doesn't have a nothing, but he just has a word. And he believes and he yeah. receives and he goes, daddy, thank you, thank you, thank you. And what does he do? He goes to his neighbor. I mean, he goes skipping and I've got a bicycle. I've got a bicycle. I mean, and he goes and tells everybody, I have a bicycle. And then he goes home, he thinks about it, he dreams about it, he sees himself riding the bicycle. I mean, right there, there is a huge teaching by itself. And I have a CD on how have you believed? Oh, it's in, I think it's in the faith package. Amen. And the little kid received, believed. I mean, he started talking about it, thanking God about it, rejoicing about it. He started thinking about it. He started planning. I mean, he goes to mommy and says, Mommy, Mommy, I'm going to clean the garage because that's where I'm putting my bicycle. You know what I mean? And he dreams about it. He talks about it. He thinks about it. Why? Because he has believed. He has received. Jesus said, we've got to learn to receive like little children. That's faith. Jesus said, if you have faith like a little child, because faith is a receiver. Why? Because grace has given. And faith's got to learn to believe it's been given and simply said, it's not about what I have to do, 10 step, 5 formula. It's simple believing my daddy God that he gave it and I believe I received. But you see, you believe that you receive the moment you believe you receive. But then the Bible says with faith and patience, that's where strong faith comes in line. Because from the moment you believe you receive, from the moment you spoke to the problem, from the moment you declared, from the moment you exercise your faith, until you see it or you have it, there's going to be obstacles, there's going to be delays, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be X number of things that's going to try to persuade it you haven't got anything. So that's where strong faith comes, that faith of a bulldog, that faith of the, the widow with the unjust judge that says, I know I believe I receive, it's mine. I've got it. And I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what I see or don't see, feel or don't feel. I'm not going to give up because I know it's mine. And you see, like that little kid, you start talking like you have it. You start acting like you got it. You start doing, thinking like you, because you know you've got it. And it's just a matter of time until you see it. That's a simple faith of a child. And now let me tell you something. I am not preaching you something I am not doing. Because one week ago, I almost died. 
They, they, I could have been dead. But you know, the, then the, 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 God did an awesome work. Amen. And then after the, you know, a few days ago, the, the, they said, you, a couple of friends that are nurses says, you said, Audrey, you shouldn't be going. You shouldn't be traveling right now. You shouldn't be doing. And I said, no, I believe I am healed. I'm not going to let the devil tell me what I can and cannot do. I am not going to, you know, if I believe I'm healed, then I'm going to, what would I do if I was healed? I'd be going preaching. What would I do if I were healed? I'd be standing and telling the, the works of God. What if I what I do if I was healed? You see, that's receiving faith like a little child. Because you believe you received it, you believe you've got it, then it's mine. And I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what the doctors say. I don't care what's going on. You've got it. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Faith receives. And it rejoices and it acts. Amen. Amen. And that's where you know entering the rest. Entering into the rest. That's where people have a trouble oftentimes because they said, but it says those who believe or those who have faith enter the rest. And they automatically think that faith, that rest means passive. That means that, okay, I've received and that's it. I'll just wait for the manifestation. No, no, no. The, the rest part of it is that because you believe it's been given. You believe it's been done and accomplished and you have received it and it's yours. Then now it's not about you going here and there trying to obtain it again. It's I have got it. And if I have got it, then what would I do? If I truly had it in my hand, what would I do if I truly was healed? What would I do if I truly was blessed? What would I do if fill in the blank? You see, and the part of the rest, because you know, Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And in Hebrew chapter 4, he says, those who believe enter into the rest. But then in verse 9 through 11, verse 11, he says, labor therefore to enter into the rest. I mean, there seems to be like a contradiction. You know what I mean? They seem like, wait a second, do I fight or do I rest? Do I labor or do I rest? The rest part of it is knowing it is accomplished. You have received it. It's yours. It's in your position. And I love that in the Amplified on Hebrew 11, 1, 11, 1, it says, faith is the conviction of things all for. It's the title deed of things we do not see. You see, if you have a mortgage in your house, on your house, but let's pretend Pastor Larry, who is a generous man, all of a sudden God puts it on his heart to pay off your mortgage. He's going to call your bank and he's going to say, you owe how much? $40,000. He'll call the bank satisfy the debt, then the bank will call you and says, ma'am, would you come to the bank? We have to get your title deed. Your mortgage is paid off. Let me ask you this. The moment you go to the bank and you receive that title deed, will you know it? It's yours? What's going to happen? You're going to do a little jig and a little dance. You're going to get excited. And you're going to remember 20 years from now, you remember the place, the time, the hour, the minute when you received your title deed. Amen. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Faith receives. And it's like if you know that you know that you know that healing 
or prosperity or X, fill in the blank, belongs to you through the finished work of the cross, if you know, then you have a legal right to approach God boldly to the throne of grace where everything is given to go and receive. And the moment you receive, at that moment, if you truly receive, it's like receiving the title deed of your mortgage. You receive, you know that you know that you know. I've got it. It's mine. And then from that moment on, no matter how long it takes, no matter what obstacle comes your path, no matter what resistance, whatever pressure, whatever comes, you know, you remember, like, like, like Abraham, you consider not all the X around. You consider, I've got my title deed. It's mine. I have it. You see, and out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Out of the abundance of your heart, your your heart will act, and you will say, I am healed, and you will act healed, or you will act blessed, or you will act like you've got it, because you know that you know you've got it. Now, here is the question. If you cannot do that, if you cannot act, talk, then go back. It means you have not received. You might believe it is the will of God. You might believe it has been given, but the question, have you received? Because that's the determining point. You see, you can believe healing is the will of God. You can believe it's been given. But have you believed you have received? Because Jesus said, if you believe you have received, you shall have it. If you don't have it, then it's because you don't believe you have received it. And why is it you don't believe you have received it? Because maybe there is X factors. Maybe you don't totally persuade it. It's been given. Maybe you're not totally persuaded it's the will of God. Or maybe you think you deserve that sickness. Or maybe you think you, you've done something wrong. Or maybe whatever X factor. I always tell people, talk to the Holy Spirit. Ask him. If you don't see the manifestation, then you go back and say, I have not. I might think I have, but I have not received. Why have I not received? And ask the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so beautiful to walk with the Holy Spirit. Because when we have blinders, when we have blind spots, when we have unconscious things that we don't, we're not even aware on in our heart, that it hinders us from receiving, the Holy Spirit knows the heart. And he can guide us, reveal us, show us. But if we never ask him, he, can, he, he, he won't tell us. You know what I mean? There's been so many times in my life where, you see, it's, it's a walk with the Holy Spirit. You know, finding, you know, the victory has been given to us. But that's in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But in 2 Corinthians 2, 14, he says, Thanks be to God who leads us to triumph. Because Christ gave us the victory, but the Holy Spirit has been sent to lead us to get a hold of it. So you see, you and I who are learning to walk by faith, we know the ABC, okay, I exercise authority, I believe, I receive. But sometimes we're like, okay, why is this not working? Why is this, what, what is short-circuiting? Why is it that I am not able to receive or I'm not able to, what is it? And the Holy, you ask the Holy Ghost and he can show you. Sometimes you might be surprised because the, sometimes there are X reasons unconscious 
reasons, things that you're not even aware that is hindering you from simply receiving what grace has given. You see? And so that's why we've got to be so dependent on Holy Spirit. That's why we have to talk to him, ask him. Amen. And I could tell you so many examples where, because sometimes you see the preacher here and you think it's all nice and easy. I mean, look, at even think, Andrew, you know, if you know, remember he talked about the thing he had, the cancer on his ear? It took him how many years? Six years. Six years to get a hold of it. You know, and sometimes we think, well, preachers that just pray, blah, boom, boom. And sometimes, yes. Often it does, but sometimes it's a walking with the Holy Spirit of getting a hold of, you know, and asking the Holy Ghost, okay, help me, walk me through that. Help me to go from point A to point Z. You know what I mean? And that's, and here is the beauty of it. Just like learning to walk, like a child is learning to walk, a, a child is not going to walk perfectly on his first steps. There will be some fall. There'll be some picking by going back up. There'll be fall again. There'll be some shaky, shaking. There'll be some woo, falling, get back up. The walk of faith is the same thing. We are learning to walk by faith. That means that sometimes we're going to get a little shaky. Sometimes we're just going to fall and stay down a little bit. But then that means, okay, I'll go back right back up. You know, no matter how long you've stayed down, well, there is a time you said, okay, let's pick it back up. Let's go back forward. Amen. With that calm, because don't no condemnation. No condemnation, because that's part of learning to walk by faith. Amen. Father God is there, you know, cheering us and say, come on, you can do it. Holy Ghost is there to direct us. Okay, do this, don't do that. Oh, you know, showing us. And that's because Father God is not against us, he's for us. And he's want us to get a hold of it. To, you know what I'm saying? And so no condemnation because that's what the devil will do. You see? And that's where he's got a lot of people who have tried to walk by faith, tried to obtain, and then it didn't work. And they just said, well... Either they got into condemnation thinking they were not good enough, or there they just withdrew and said, I can't do this, this is not. No, 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 we just got to learn to walk. And sometimes we'll fall, sometimes we'll shake, sometimes we'll get back up, but we don't quit. We keep on going. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.